about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Welcome to Worst Gig Ever. I am Jeff Garlock. Shalom. I'm Mike Pace. Welcome Uh, to Worst Gig Ever. (laughs) The show where you get to listen to your favorite people talk about shit. (laughs) Yes, you do. And today uh, we're going to be talking to Keith. Keith Murray from We Are Scientists. Scientists. Uh, You thought you knew this man. You don't. Today you think is, you know. Today's the day where you literally learn about him. Keith shares some stories that are too good to even pass up. So we're going to get to him in a minute. But first, uh, first off, we, uh, we've we got a, a, a second special guest. Very it's, special I'm guest. So excited about this one. Uh, it, it's it's old, old singer-songwriter from 60s, uh, 70s, Don Olenmeyer. He's right. one of my favorites. He, he had a... He had a great little private press record of, you know, uh, 70 press uh, on his own record label, uh, Moonshine Records. Moonshine Records. It's Uh, a collector's item. Again, though, the problem, we only have two mics here. We only have two mics, so So one mic's got to get out of here. One mic has got to get out of here. It's going to be Mike Pace. I'll be back in a second, guys. Excuse me. Hey, Don, how you doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, Don, you can just sit right there. Just sit right. All right. Perfect. Don Olenmeyer, welcome pleasure, to Worst Gig pleasure Ever. Pleasure to be here. Can you hear this? Oh, yeah. It sound, sounds great. Perfect. Thanks very much. Uh, so, Don, what, what, have, what have you been working on? What do you got for us? I, I, I see you've got a guitar, which I, is exciting for me. I am a fan. I brought old Ramrod here. <laughs> this, one, this one's been with me for a long time. Uh, All the Olenmeyer heads know Ramrod. You don't need to say anything. You know what? It's uh, band two on side three of my double LP. Harvest Sunshine. Love that one. Uh, I was going to play a song. You know, everybody thinks of, of 70s classics like Bye Bye Miss American Pie, uh, Chevys and Levies and all that crap, frankly. I got a song I agree. that is really going to replace your your Thunder Roads, Born in the USA's. Uh, it's an original that I wrote. You're saying you've got a song that could fill in for like every time there's a '70s montage in a movie, uh, or Jeff, this could be this could really be our new national anthem. It's, oh. it's really it's a snapshot uh, for children that came of age in the 1970s. It's a little ditty uh, that I call "Child of the '70s." Grace our ears, Don. All right, here we go. No, I, I'm sorry, Don. We're gonna have to whoa, wrap whoa, it up whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa. sorry, we're gonna have to wrap it up with the customary sure, uh, no, worst gig ever uh, cannon shot to whoa, take you out. Whoa, whoa, Bye. Whoa. What? Oh, everything's 
song sounds fantastic. I know, it's really good. Strong uh, chorus. I think, yeah, and I think you can order his records, uh, Winsheim uh, Mail Order, I think. Yeah. Get them there. Uh, Keith Murray, everybody, we got a... a I'm, I can't even say enough about this guy. You're going to love this show. Subscribe to our podcast. Worst gig ever podcast.tumblr.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Email us at worstgigever at gmail.com. Love us, hate us, let us, whatever you want. We're here for you guys. Here's Keith Murray. Peace. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. All right. Listen. 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 <laughs> All right. Just listen. Can you just listen here? Keith Murray, <laughs> man of mystery, friend of the show, uh, personal savior. Okay. Keep going. Uh, You're almost there. Yeah. Analgesic. Analge- yeah. Topical. Analgesic. Analgesic. Nothing uh, like kicking it off with a total in-joke yep. straight away. He's got to alienate the crowd immediately. For the listener. No. FYI. I, uh, we're talking about stuff you put on your eyes when you get eye surgery, and that would be a topical analgesic. <laughs> uh, I want to cut straight to this. People yeah. know, we know who you are. Keith Murray, we are scientists, fame, Don't. among other... Talents. Don't mince words. Uh, <laughs> Get right to it. You, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. You've been you've been you've been living the rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> Good, you know, Good lord! <laughs> for for a, for a long time. What are the ingredients <laughs> that make up a worst? We are scientists show. Oh, oh boy. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I've been through my fair share of them, so I know when I see them. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely going to be, uh, a lot, a lot of alcohol. Sure. Um, that, you know, is immediately self-prescribed once we note that things are going awry. Uh, when I, when, when I realized that a show is going to be woefully underattended, uh, <laughs> I, so I think, I think Chris, uh, Kane, baseman, uh, has, has, uh, like a, a greater sense of, self-worth than I do and can sort of rise above it and not let it Fuck destroy that. him. Yeah. Uh, I definitely am the one who tends to like sit in the dressing room, you know, just woefully incapable of facing the <laughs> Sulking. For the listener, we should note that my dog, dog, Baptiste, uh, one of the mascots of the show, just had eye surgery, had cataracts removed. He's dealing with what is called an e-collar or an Elizabethan collar around his head, which he's currently trying to pull off. He's having his worst gig uh, ever yeah, right now. He is... So, so when you hear some wackiness swapping, yeah, that's what we. That's got not a wacky sound effect we put in to enhance Keith's story. <laughs> but maybe it's, some of them will be, and those yeah. will be like Easter eggs. So, so, so this is the equivalent of for Jeff and I sulking in the van. <laughs> okay, right. after so, after oh, Bacha, you God, sulk no, in the van. No, that's too dark. Well, <laughs> sitting alone in the van, you don't sulk. You've never sulked Ooh, in the van. That's the only oh, way it can be sometimes. Oh, that's, br- that's well. That's when you take it in. It, well, because it sounds like you don't even want to look at your bandmates. It sounds like you're talking about maybe go the show. Maybe go for a walk. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck that. Then you get exercise. You might. Oh wait, but it sounds like you're talking about before. Oh yeah, I'm gearing up for abject depression. Right. Um, I think. For the most part, and there, there have been a few shows where I've done this and it hasn't been, um, out of, you know, emotional collapse. Uh, but if I, if I leave the stage and go into the audience, that's how, I think that's a, that's how the third party knows <laughs> things are going, things are not going well. Oh, for that's me. a sign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not just loving it so much that you've got to be touched on the crowd to be feel their vibe. <laughs> no. no you're rare, like, it's fuck. rarely that. It's right. rarely that. Because if I remember correctly, when Oxford Collapse toured with We Are Scientists in the UK, you went in the crowd like every night. <laughs> strong <laughs> oh. tour. Strong tour. <laughs> but, it, but, but it was a very strong tour, at least for us. Well, there was. there, there Yeah. Well, I, I definitely always do it on... There was one song that I would do it specifically yeah. on because I wouldn't have to play guitar. Okay. And standing on stage not playing guitar is for assholes. Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. If, you know, if, if, if it were clearly part of an arranged setup, mm-hmm. like I, that song I, I left the stage yeah. on every night. Okay. Um, if... That, and actually, on our last American tour, places like uh, Providence, where 
ticket sales might have <clears throat> not not been where you like. It'd be a little rough in practice. Uh, just just straight away, you know, you ask the uh, the house manager what 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 kind of what kind of pre-sale we got going. Mm-hmm. You understand the sense of dread descends, and I would just start setting up like my pedal board just out front. Do you have the sense of dread before you ask? Uh, I mean, you kind of get the. You, I would you, get. Yeah. Into, I would get into the general sense knowing I was like, I don't want to know the answer, but I'm going to do it because I'm a glutton for punishment. I mean to myself, yeah. So I want to get ready. But I think that this is interesting because, and this is something we can get into. We are scientists are legitimately uh, large band overseas, particularly in the UK. It's legitimate. It's legitimate. Yeah, large would be the <laughs> we've word. Been we say it is. We call it legit. We've been legitimized. But over here, you're talking about a show in Providence, right? And maybe those advanced ticket sales weren't. Uh, uh, you know, they were what, petty. What, what you might, <laughs> yeah. what you might expect. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I just what what goes into that? Like, how have you how have you resolved uh, that quandary, if it were, oh. being a band that is that is big in one place, but it doesn't necessarily translate right. universally. I, I I feel like uh, emotionally, it is sort of self resolving. Like, I think when we have terrible shows, you know. Specifically in the U.S. or whatever, like your providences. Uh, there, I think they're, they're look. We, actually, I've never had a good show in Providence either. No uh, offense yeah. to the the city itself. I like I like the town. It's a city of dreams. Yeah. Right. It's not the city of dreams. Trying to think. Fort Thunder. It's it's a city of dreams. But that was see that was that was a specific the separate world. Thing. It literally was another world. That was. Let's just, where are you talking <laughs> in Providence? You talking Lupo's? You talking uh, the living room? Um, or I honestly have no. Or idea. that weird place outside. Uh, I actually no. I've had good shows in Providence. But see, there's a difference between like playing like a punk show yes. or coming from like the lightning bolt and the kind metal of thing. or the metal show. Yeah, as opposed to you know. Our bands but weren't necessarily. Doing. I actually think uh, Lightning Bolt is a good example, and I may, and this may have never actually been like a calcified thing in my mind. But certainly, my just deciding to play on the floor of of, of the venue rather than on the stage, it sort of has its Lightning Bolt roots. Yeah, or, sure. yeah absolutely. Um, but then you get into that discussion of well, there there's so many people here. Not necessarily there's so many people. There are so many people here right. that playing on this on the floor. You're kind of a dick. At a know? certain they point, can't it's see annoying you. and yeah. it's frustrating. Because uh, I know that Orchid, your old band, had, Orchid, had yeah, an we, anti-stage policy. Yes, we would never play on a stage. And yeah. it did feel weird when we did because it was a hardcore band. But at a certain point, it was like, well, if there are 400 kids here, <laughs> none, like we're playing for the 30 and the rest of them are listening to a poorly played record. Yeah. Because none of us have tuning pedals. <laughs> uh, you were or, anti-tuning cool. pedal as well. I, well, I was cheap. So I didn't have one. So it, every every Orca video I, I I find, you can hear me just going constantly. So playing playing on the floor was just adding insult to the injury of being at an Orca. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but then Lightning Bolt, we went on tour, and eventually, like you know, the, and I think they still go on the floor. But eventually, yeah. I, like it, they're they're a different thing because right. they're a unified like vibe like dan deacon or something whereas you know i have no interest in seeing that show as a 34 year old man see i always sort of feel worse for my band members when i do it because then they're left standing on sure. stage looking yeah. and it's and almost I, like they're your backing for, for the listener <laughs> yeah, who maybe yeah. doesn't know we are scientists are currently a three-piece so you right. get off stage and then you just have chris playing bass and Andy playing right. drums, and that's just, it looks off kilter. On yeah. the stage, our rhythm section, <laughs> backing me up. <laughs> There's a, a, a woeful dis- disconnect that can only be solved by a topical analgesic. <laughs> crying out but, loud. So, <laughs> so wait, let's, let's, let's bring it back to the beginning here for, for the listener who may not be as familiar. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be. But they can <laughs> suck my dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What is he's so in a vibe. because because yeah. I, I think it should also be it should also be established that we've known each other for for years. Right. Our bands played together in the in the early the mid aughts sure. before you guys signed with a major when when you were kind of trying to avoid that vortex of shit. Sure, but you'd still play shows at <laughs> Lux. But by vortex oh, of shit, oh, I mean Lux. playing shows in New York and playing like the Bagot Inn or Oof. the Orange Bear. That some places look. No offense, these. 
probably fine venues. We never played there. I'm sure you guys never played there. No. Or like Arlene's Gross. Like there was. Right. There were certain places that you just didn't play. Oh yeah. Because they. Oh yeah. Oh, well, maybe. Guess what venues we are scientists played. We never played Arlene's Grocery. You guys played the Tank a lot. Cutting. We room? did. Uh, we never played the Cutting Room. We did play the Tank a lot. I feel like the Tank was a different animal altogether. Yeah. Wait, There's, which one was the Tank? The Tank was uh, run by some Yale theater kids, uh-huh. uh, and it was up on 42nd Street, Okay. and it was a multimedia space, Ooh. so they did theater there. Um, we, we sort of ended up, uh, somehow we knew one of the kids, um, and we ended up playing there many times and curating shows, uh-huh. and we started doing comedy and music nights. Terrible idea. <laughs> yes. But some of the Terrible guests idea. you had at the time. Had Eugene Merman. Eugene Merman. Great. Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't go over though. <laughs> how people it's, people hate mixing the yeah. two. The music really, comedy really... mix is everyone is wants a, to. It's a fine. And nobody line. wants to. All the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, but uh, we one of the tank shows, and now I can't remember what uh, what the name of the band was. Needless to say, they they disappeared. But at the time, they were very very cool. Um, I think they were like had the same management yeah, as yeah, yes. strokes. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. them. They're, uh, they're they're oh, was it the fever or the flesh, perhaps? No. There, was there a no, the no, in no. front of There was probably. definitely a the. <laughs> there was definitely a the. Um, but they were, you know, excruciatingly cool. Right. Um, and, you know, played their particular brand of, like, you know, moopy soundscapes for a while. Prosaics? Then it wasn't Prosaics. I'm just listening. Pay, I can think of mid-aughts like, mid-aughts popping mid-aughts. in my brain of those bands that we would all play with. Uh, and then a comic. I don't, I don't know if he's still doing anything named Bobby Tisdale. Yes. Who kind of was around. He does a show a actually at uh, the bookstore here. It's, uh, the, <laughs> it's a, Well, he d- still does stuff, In Greenpoint. Word? Yeah, like, but it'll be a secret. It's a secret okay. show. It's a House of Merkin or something. And, like, you have to get an email invite. But it'll be like Hannibal and Eugene will show up. All right. And it's like a basement of, like, 20 people. Um, well, I, I don't remember what his offense was, but right. he, he told a joke that didn't sit well with, with the band, uh, who were, you know, sitting out front after their set. And they started catcalling to him and like telling him he was, you know, a racist or homophobe or something. I don't remember, I don't remember what the actual offense was. Um, and I think I, I did actually agree with them that his joke, <laughs> his joke was, was, fa- was fairly tasteless, but they absolutely took it. Way too far, uh, you know. Verbal fight right. erupted in the tank. Vibe of the yeah. entire enterprise down, <laughs> down, the, down And the this drain. was this was a show that you guys had. Yeah, curated. we had put it together. Yeah, so we were also like responsible for the discord now right. that existed. So at already, the tank. see, I think I like it because it's such an admirable effort to put together a mix. In theory, a music comedy thing could be great. Right, like comics. You know, warming up, keeping them going before the music really socks you in the gut. You love it, and everyone has a great time. Um, in a perfect world, communism is great too. Yeah, but you know, go. but we go. you know, comedy fans can be a little picky. Music fans sure. can be a little picky. You <laughs> sure. got a lot of pickiness there working together. They can't all be Mike Pace opening for Weird Scientists at Brooklyn Bowl. That, that is well, right. That, I mean, that's a, that's an equation for gold. That, yeah. that and that one. Look, it was so good, we never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> just never. <Adult> Jesus. <laughs> hey. But I do want to talk about another early show. Actually, you've told me this story, but I think the world needs to hear this. This was like an eight-band <laughs> bill at Lux, which is what used to be Lux. It's now some other Now it's show. called Trash Bar? Whatever. Yes. Um, at the time, this, I believe, was the first Oxford Collapse We Are Scientists show. All right. Um, was there an Electro Clash band? I'm, I'm sure there was, but <laughs> yeah. we didn't watch you guys. You didn't watch us. We played right. at like, different ends of the night. Uh, one person paid to see us, and that was okay. Adam Riser, who then became our bass wow. player. Uh, and then the guy who was booking. Worst facet of, one of the worst facets of playing shows. A lot of people who don't play shows might not know that. At certain venues, yeah. they will ask you when you come in, uh, who are you right. here to see? Oh, yeah. And then, like, a place like yes. Mercury Lounge will hold that over your head, <laughs> even if you have yeah. a guarantee or whatever sure. it is. It's awful. And they'll just be like, by the way. This is the yeah. deal. And I'm like, cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why we're even just, talking about Just this. a little more context. We were asked like the week before to, to, be, to add, to be added right. onto the show. We said fine. Uh, one person paid to see us play. <laughs> I don't remember this much about because Lux I remember so much about ago. this because this is one of the worst gigs ever okay. for us. All right, all right. Uh, the guy who was running the night, I'm not going to say his name. Oh, I would have. Surprised right. to say he was a real, uh, um, 
uh, penis breath, I would say. Yeah, classic To quote term. E.T., yes. right? <laughs> classic burn. Yes. Well, that's not what you said. Uh, he actually <laughs> made us pay him what? $20 so he could <laughs> pay the sound guy. Awful. Oh, At Lux? At Lux. He said... What happened, guys? You didn't bring anyone, blah, blah, blah. I got to pay this guy. I remember our bass player, our first bass player, got, they got up into each other's face. He said, I grew up on the Lower East Side, oh. uh, blah, blah, blah. This is our bass player. You kind of had we, like a classic metal pay to play. Th- yeah, this, it was awful. Anyway, you guys played earlier in the night. Now, I, I might be conflating two shows here. I don't know if this was the show where you actually cut your hand. Uh, that, that was a different show. Oh, that was a different show. All right. So anyway, I just told that story for nothing. No, no. Here's the question now: How much did you have to pay the sound guy that night? <laughs> I think we threw in, you know, probably 100, Perfect. 150, cool. just to make ourselves oh, look oh, a little better right. than Oxford okay. Collapse. We're yeah, darlings yeah. of the scene. And no, that the the show where we cut our hand, I think, was also at Lux. Okay. So um, this is this to me. I think of this. Story whenever I'm driving down Bushwick Avenue or something. Literally, Oof. every time I'm driving down Bushwick Avenue, I think of you walking down Bushwick Avenue, which you probably didn't do. I did. Um, I absolutely did. You did. I you did. did. All right. <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear. This is this is a, a We Are Scientists worst gig ever. Uh, this is this was kind of right around the time that things were like actually just beginning to pick up for us. So about there 2005, like some, maybe. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. This. When did We Are Scientists start? Uh, started in 2000. Okay. But I mean, we're we were. Took a couple we were of, years. of no concern sure. to anyone at all. We were, sure. we were doing some bag it ins yeah. for, 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 for the first five years. We actually play the bag. We actually play the bag it in at the the show at the bag it in. Chris Kane was late to, <laughs> and they made us go on anyway. So yeah. it was it was me and our drummer at the time yeah. playing some songs by ourselves. Chris Kane sauntered in. Thought, maybe thought he recognized the tune. <laughs> Couldn't quite place yeah. it. Looked up. We're on stage. <laughs> Had to like come up, plug in, wow. join in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miserable. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we just got a two for one, by the way, because that bag it in store is pretty bad. <laughs> it's what, what a two for. Uh, so the, the next day, uh, th- this is the Lux show. Back to Lux show. The, the next day we were to fly out to LA to do a showcase for some you know, fucking label. You know, pretty excited about that. You know, not knowing at that point that showcases are the shittiest possible oh, yes, show you can are. play. <laughs> um, so we're, we're playing the show. It's us, uh, Bishop Allen, and Tomorrow's Friend, all of whom close friends of ours. Tomorrow's Friend, an exciting bill. We're all thrilled to be there. Um, I think that was that was in the period where I was very frequently feeling despondent. <laughs> uh, I guess it was yeah. like we, it was, things were just picking up, but for a long time, I would just be like, "What? What is the point of this anymore? Why are we doing this?" Um, and I was probably drunk. So, <laughs> at the end of the set, I'm standing up on on Michael's kit, just bashing the hell out of his kit. You know, we're just making noise at this point uh, because the show, you know, has been misery in, in my eyes. I'm sure everybody else was just, you know, they thought we sucked, but it wasn't, you know, whatever this, we're all friends. Um, so I'm done, done smashing the hell out of Michael's kit. I'm feeling pretty goddamn pleased with myself for my, for my choice theatrics. I look down and I notice, uh, his symbol is just covered in blood. I'm like, Oh, that's really, that's just fucking disgusting. Somebody, we should clean that up before we start playing the show. Which when I look down and realize my hand is sliced open. God damn. Um, and then I sort of go into like self pity mode where I like I do the dog under the porch thing. <laughs> or like, perhaps the dog with the e collar who just got uh, eye surgery. Yeah, if only I had had an analgesic at the time. Analgesic. <laughs> um, uh, so I decide in the rain at about you know twelve o'clock. You know, this this was in 2005 when when Bushwick was you know less full of exactly. art school kids. Right. Um, decided to walk to Woodhall Hospital. Probably you know it's a good half hour walk, I guess. I don't know. It, you know, through a pretty miserable neighborhood. Also, not really knowing where I'm going. You know, I yeah. Uh, I remember at one point I passed a firehouse, and the firemen were kind of like outside hanging out. And I asked them how to get to Woodhall, and they were like, don't walk there. Don't, don't you walk there now. And I was like, no, it'll be fine. I'm just going to walk. They're like, don't do it. I don't want you to walk. Don't walk. I was like, no, I'm going to get a cab. Don't worry. Walk to Woodhall because it made me feel better. Like, just being so miserable right. was just the salve I needed. 
Uh, and did and you then get it all fixed up? Did you make it there all right? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, there's actually more, there's, <laughs> there's like more of it. Okay. And so, so, so I'm at the hospital, you know, all night. Our flight's at like 10 a.m. or something. So I get back to our apartment probably at 9 a.m. And I learned, I lived with Michael, our drummer at uh-huh. the time. Um, I learned that on his walk home uh, to our apartment, he had been robbed on our doorstep. And his wallet had been taken, so he had no ID. Couldn't go to, couldn't get to LA. We're like, oh, come on, man. Then he realizes that for some sick reason, at this point, we were not an international band by any stretch of imagination. Uh, he realizes he had his passport in his uh, symbol bag. Uh, of course, <laughs> maybe maybe that's his, like his safe hiding place when he kept it at home. I don't know. Uh, so he could go to LA yeah. after all. So then he got to that Went, showcase. Played the showcase. Kicked ass, kicking, reaping ass. the rewards ever since. I don't even remember what label it was for. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't sign with them. I played. I think it was our first kind of legitimate show in LA. It was at Spaceland, mm, and I had to play with my left hand in bandages with stitches on them. How'd that work out? I don't know. I probably just got drunk and right. plowed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cure off. Yeah. All up on the list. That uh, mean, not that, on. I mean, just that. Because I can empathize with that that time period, not only the time period, but that time period in in the span of your band where it's like towards the beginning and you're just second guessing. It's why the fuck? I remember coming back after that luck show to my then girlfriend's place uh, and just being like, the guy made us pay him. I mean, still, <laughs> 10 years later, the guy uh, made us pay um, I have, him. I have another story about that guy, that promoter. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, hear it. He, he also booked... If it's this promoter, he was the nicest guy in the world to be. <laughs> he, like, loved me. Was he, his first name Eric? I have no idea. It was kind of metal-y. No. No. Okay. No, no. The metal guy at Lux loved me would constantly bring okay. me downstairs to show me his triple rectifier head and, like... <laughs> Uh, no, this is a okay. different. Well, this good. guy. Good to know. This Go guy on. booked at Brownies, and Lux was just like he was just trying to get some scratch right. on the side. Mm. Um, but so he, you know, we had we had played for him a couple of times at Brownies to you know miserable results, yeah. I'm sure. Um, and he called us up one day and was like, "I've oh no, he actually he sent an email. He was like, I've got a really great show for you. You guys are gonna love this. Are you available to go to Long Island on so and so night." <laughs> So I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so he pitches us this. It's, it's, <laughs> it's out like on the beach somewhere in Long Island. Just play a couple hours. It was like, good so it was far. like a couple, a couple hundred bucks, but there's like an apartment we can stay in that's right on the beach. You're gonna love it. They do, they do these nights every like Friday and it's always off the hook. <laughs> it's probably instant stardom for you. You'll build, you'll build your crowd on Long right. Island. And get to stay in this apartment on the beach. And he ended the email, literally, you lucky dog. (laughs) (laughs) Suffice it to say, drive out to this place, maybe like two or three hours out on Long Island. Wait, that's way, like, really, really far. Really far. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And it's like, you know, an oyster bar, you know, fucking (laughs) roadhouse, essentially. no people there under 35. Uh, and the 35-year-olds that were there looked like they were about 85. Uh, <laughs> clearly, they're used to just cover bands playing yeah. there. Everybody only wanted to hear cover. You Brit- play covers or originals? <laughs> yeah, <it> was, <laughs> right. Well, no, that, that wouldn't have been the question. Yeah. I think they were infuriated when we started playing originals. You play like, covers what? or yeah. how many covers do you play? <laughs> yeah. Um, the apartment, the apartment, and I'm... I'm doing finger quotes now, uh, was above the venue, and it was clearly just like a storeroom with a couple of bunks in it. It looked like something out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, you wouldn't have been surprised if there were amber-hued, fluid fetus jars. Uh, It wasn't on a beach. It was on, like, a dry dock. (laughs) Uh, Packed the stuff, drove three hours back at about, you know, 2 a.m. Of course. Got home. Got home. Broad daylight. Wait, how did they ever tell you who you were playing with, or was it just like, oh, no, this, it's going to be you? This sounds like a solo venture. Yeah, I think it was just us. 
you know, play two one-hour sets. Kind of thing. They just, said that you were going to do the multiple sets. <laughs> that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. another like the that mythic, might have been a sign. That's like the mythic thing that so- somehow stopped happening after 1985. Thank like, fucking god! Like playing multiple sets a night. I mean, that's something that I think bands of our era right. don't necessarily. I'm happy have to I'm deal with. on Black Flag. I yeah. didn't need to play fucking three. Yeah, shows well, I, I never night. understood how that even worked. Yeah. No, it didn't work. Well, for in my experience, <laughs> right. it simply did not work. So, I mean, you've 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 definitely got a lot of stories from the early days. I mean, there's a lot of you guys lived in a house together out yeah. in like Bay Ridge, right? <laughs> I mean, this yeah. also was fascinating <laughs> to me. Why? <laughs> um, it was my grandfather's house. Oh, okay, so it was, it was that a, makes it sense. Was, it was a free house. Okay, but I love free the is I, a big I, word there. I love the idea of you and uh, Chris coming from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where the hell Michael Tapper came from. Texas, maybe wherever wherever he came from. Well, he was he went to school with us in California. Okay, so you guys all essentially moved from California to New York in two thousand. Yeah, two thousand two thousand one two thousand one. Really, before Chris, anything Chris was going moved on. to New York on September tenth. 2001. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Something about that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, foreboding. But, but the fact that you guys then moved straight to Bay Ridge in 2001. <laughs> well, we're here. Off well, to Bay Ridge. I mean, we were, we were, just like everyone does. You know, we were sort of postgraduate But Bay Ridge languishing. is still, like, hasn't yeah, sure. been, you know, you know, if you want to feel like the real Brooklyn, you go to you know, Bay Ridge. hey, you go to Bay Ridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forget about it, says Barry Markowitz. <laughs> Uh, You're in Bay Ridge. Um, so that just the fact that the band is living together in a house. Chris was working in New Jersey, right? Wasn't he commuting? Uh, like? No, he, when he when he left that house, I mean, that, our our all living in that house was was fairly short lived. Um, he moved with a friend. You know, he was living a life of uh, sort of glomming onto other people's grandparents' homes. Uh-huh. He moved to a friend's grandmother's home in Montclair, New Jersey. He, and he was working in like Herald Square, so he was he was definitely doing the business commute with all wow. the dudes from Jersey. Um, what the hell was I just gonna say? Uh, <laughs> no, I literally I probably had, sound about I had some Jesus. amazing epiphany um, that I was going to say. Um, our very first ever show in New York was at a club. I don't know. I don't think it exists anymore. Called Lamore. Yes. Oh, it's famous it has metal it come club. Up, or are we just talking no, about it off? We mic? talk about it off. Lamore is, you know, if for growing up, Jeff grew up in Connecticut. I grew up on Long Island. Like, if you had any interest in like heavy metal right. or heavier music, right. Lamore was like this mythical place because it was in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I remember, in the, like, being in high school, it's like, oh my god, I, like, I had never been to Brooklyn. Right. Like, to go to Brooklyn to like a club to see Life of Agony play or something. You yeah. Know? Or uh, fucking Carnosaur, something like right. really terrifying. Uh, to play at Lemoore. Yeah, you went I'm to sure Lemoore. Carn- I've been to. Mo- I went to Lemoore's a lot. No, or it, at it, least it, it, I, oh, not a lot. Probably four or five shows. I went to so Lemoore's. You, when I first moved to New York, and it was a butthole to get to because it's like far down. It's, that's the thing. It's, it wasn't like it wasn't in. You know, Williamsburg wasn't what it was then, anyway. Right. No. But like, this was way out, it's just way it's out, just north of Lake Bayer. You guys yeah. actually lived in a store. Very convenient. Yeah, to us exactly. At the time. Scary warehouse area. So, what was? The, okay, I, I haven't heard this story. Needless to say, I mean, there's not much story to it. You, I feel like you guys have set it up nicely. Right. We did not belong there. Oh, so were you were you on like a metal, metal band? Well, we weren't on a metal bill, okay. but uh, you know, even even for the uh, the other band on the bill was a bunch of fifteen year olds from Long Island, right. playing like pop punk, sure, right, uh, to their family, literally, yeah. like their all of their parents were there videotaping. We've played that show, um, <laughs> and they definitely outdrew us about you know twenty yeah. twenty one. That is, they brought twenty people. My girlfriend was the only person there for it. <laughs> they only let us play three songs. We were the last band on, and the manager was just like. Hey, you know what, boys? Let's shut this down. <laughs> he was so mad at us. The defeated. He could, he could I mean, not have been. Because the thing about Lamorris is, if I think of their schedules, there was never anything but metal. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he certainly wasn't uh, gonna let us play because he wanted to hear us out. Right. Yeah. Well, so oh, speaking of that, the other thing I was gonna mention before was your job mm-hmm. at this time too. We never played CBGBs. Did, played it uh, once. Did either of you guys? You played. Yeah. What was that experience like for both of you? Well, you're the guest. Yeah. You should answer. Uh, you know, it was it was not terribly. Was notable. this an early? No, th- we we played it. Um, we we were about to be signed. One of the shows we played at CBGB. I know we arranged so that EMI, who we ultimately signed to, wanted to come see us. Um, and so at that point, we were playing pretty good shows. Like I think 
I think CBGB's was sold out. Right. So it was that it was fun. Yeah. I didn't really think too much of the venue, but I remember and, being just happy to play and be yeah. able to like check it off the list. Yeah, it was, it was nice. a Vice Jade Tree showcase for yeah. us. Uh, and I'd always the I, the they're legitimately the sound at CBGB's is some of the best sound that was in the city. Okay, the sound system was like an amazing sound system on stage. It, did, it felt like any show to me. Right, like we were kind of done. I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah, another show. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, our, at that point, our shows were all at becoming pleasant steps up. Yeah. Like each show was kind of slightly bigger than the last. So. Any show at that point was fun. I don't know. I think this is all important because maybe, uh, maybe a lot of We Are Scientists fans don't know about some of these earlier, uh, New York based adventures. Right. Um, well, along those lines. Should have probably maybe, kept it that way. Or, <laughs> 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 but at the time, you also had a very interesting job, or what I, what I thought was a very interesting job. Um, yeah, I worked at, uh, IFC, the Independent Film Channel, um, in their film division, like their theatrical distribution division. Pretty much my job was just to read scripts that had been submitted um, and then tell my boss, who was the you know president of production or whatever, um, whether or not she should consider them right. for you know a production that we did. Yeah. So I read a lot of fucking shitty scripts. <laughs> sure. And, you know, a few decent ones. Uh, but, yeah, I pretty much read about 25 to 40 scripts a week. How did you get into that job? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's a good question. Right. Uh, I mean, I a film I stu- aficionado. Yeah, I, study, I study literature and media right. um, in California. Worked in LA, like, you know, as a terrible gopher on productions right. in, in Hollywood Production for, for, be, for about a year. Um, then moved here, did, had an internship at Jonathan Demme's production company that I just got, I think, you know, off of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led to... Was Craigslist around then? Well, you I know, whatever. I think this might be pre-Craigslist. Whatever. So not only are you in uh, a successful band, but you also used your major, uh, how you are supposed to when you get out of college, unlike <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. And when I say a lot of people, me. Well, I had I, I got a degree in individualized study, right. which I put to good use. Right. Because yeah. that's what I do for a living. I, I do mean, feel I like do we were study. we were the rare band that kind of had to think about it for a second right. when we got signed, like whether we wanted to quit our jobs. Right. Like uh, we all had really got our our drummer was a an engineer from a really prestigious engineering school. He had a very high paying job, um, and Chris worked at a very high end advertising agency. His, I think his job was fairly low in it, but you know, it, it was. We all sort of had careers on deck. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I think especially I had a, for a minute, had to like kind of think about whether or not. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and careers it, on deck is a smart move. And it, <laughs> and it, it, it only took a minute. It took, yeah. it took about one minute. Uh, Good. <laughs> any any scripts of note that mm. maybe later got made. From that era, um, a movie well, we, called Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, ever hear of it? Uh, I mean, our, our the budget for the, IFC Films was sort of a vanity leg mm-hmm, of the IFC right. channel, um, and so the budgets were all pretty small. I think they were generally all under two million. Um, made a film by Michael Showalter called The Baxter. Oh, yep. oh yes, Michael Showalter was a major hero of mine at the time. I was very excited about it. I was a fairly harsh critic of The Baxter. I was, it was best intentions. I thought it was constructive criticism. He grew to hate me. Oh. And I always think that he's forgotten, like, who I am, but we share a booking agent with Stella. Oh. And every once in a while, I would go to a Stella show with our booking agent and run into Michael Showalter, and he'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you were the dickhead. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I really liked. I really liked you. I was the one that like wanted to make your movie. Oh. Right. <laughs> so okay, I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> you guys uh, grew a fervent fan base in the, in the UK, and this happened over uh, over a few years. Like I mean, you guys were going there multiple yeah. times a year. Yeah. Uh, each each tour getting progressively bigger. Um, I don't know what. What do you think it is about that place that you guys? What that, can you attribute? Yeah. What, how did? Why did that audience connect to you? What are some memorable, maybe some some stories from the early days? Yeah. Give us, give us a little little uh, spoonful of sugar about that. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, think I think unfortunately the the reasoning is probably less that like 
you know, there's, there's a, a romantic spark that exists between we and, you know, the, the British populace. We, I, there, there was a DJ named Steve Lamont at Radio One who her, we, we had signed on with a British booking agent who probably, you know, never really anticipated or ever calling him on it and coming to the UK. The agency? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Well, strange fellow? No, no. Okay. It was, uh, I actually don't remember what agency he worked for at the time. All right. He, well, he's moved, and now I don't know what it is. Still got um, to be for that strange fellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so he, our agent passed our, you know, EP around, and Steve Lamarck started playing one of our songs, mm-hmm. you know, late at night on Radio 1. So this is before your first album? is Before, uh, yeah. Okay. I think I think Steve Lamont was playing an unmastered version of our... We had we'd recorded the album and were passing around, like, you know, sort of as a calling card, mm-hmm. the unmastered, unfinished version. Um, so we were, we were getting radio play in the UK before we were even signed. So I think that spurred... When we ultimately signed to EMI, they kind of had the ball rolling there. And I think their job was a lot easier. Um, and from that point on, it was just about, um, you know, inflating what was happening rather mm-hmm. than creating something. Um, we also, you know, be, like you said, every, every tour was like slightly bigger and bigger and bigger. And we put legwork in there mm-hmm. because there was a seed already um, that we, you know, kind of never really did in the U.S. I mean, we've probably done 30 tours of the UK wow. and we've played places that no British bands would ever play. Like when I talk to Chris Urbanovich about the early tours that we did on days off from that tour, Chris Urbanovich from editors. Who we've who, had on the yeah, program. Who was on. Friend of the show. Um, they were, they were like the first real support slot we ever had in the uh-huh. UK and they were tiny. I mean, it was all like 200 capacity venues. So you play a lot of bar flies. A lot of bar flies. That was, yes. that was a bar fly heavy tour. Yes. Um, but on like their days off, you know, we would do the bar fly in, Manchester and London yeah. and Glasgow and like, yeah. you know, big towns. Then on days off, we as scientists would, uh, be the center of attention at the Leicester Charlotte. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> ever played Leicester? Yeah. I think I, yeah. I have well, Panthers did, did an ill-fated three week tour of the UK. Our worst where, tour. That's, where you yeah. played. It's come up. I'm sure you guys that. had a lot of crossover. At some point, it's, it's, it, a lot of people have been like, that should be your book. But we did like a three week <laughs> tour that like this guy at Stringfellow who was booking like yeah yeah yeahs and like he was trying to do the like the whole Brooklyn scene and he right. sucked us over and we're, he was like yeah we want to do a three week tour and I was like okay cool and every single person was like why are you here for three weeks yeah I mean that's like, you're only supposed to be here for like three or four days and like you know nobody knew us right yeah like, the, the issue is not that terrible. there's anything wrong with Lester it's that there are other bigger towns that we also were playing on we had no record right nearby for a band that for a band that has no record out and nobody knows them you yeah, should not I mean, be playing three weeks uh right. in in bar flies it's not like you're playing three weeks in like a punk world where you're playing squats and at least maybe you'll get like oh the crusties will come out for this or that right. it's like the best shows were the ones that were like commandeered by hardcore kids in like leads yeah like they were like oh no right. we saw you were playing here we we're like why are you playing there well we, we'll we ours was the exact opposite experience because we were supporting you guys and that was a that was almost was that like your first UK tour. That was no, that was our second. Uh, but that was the most intense. I mean, that was like a three week thing. Yeah. And we did shows on the day off, on the days off. I mean, I think there were only a handful of them because that was a pretty uh, packed, compact yeah. tour. Uh, I don't, and I, I can't even remember some of the, the the towns we went into. But that's that's what you got to do. But I mean, we we were coming off of like, well, the We Are Scientist shows are going to be great. We don't have to worry about those. Um, right. But just the way that. You know uh, the the pay scale works over there. You know we, you need to. <laughs> yeah. You're losing money on that tour right, anyway. Right. If you're a support band, you have a to hard kind of, place to. Yeah. Be well, I mean, you know, also the problem back in that era for us was that it, you know it wasn't as if we were playing the Leicester Charlotte and it was packed. We were playing the mm-hmm. Leicester Charlotte, you know, sort of in an echo to our Lamour thing with like a band of 15 year olds and it was their parents watching. <laughs> right. that. Yes. And then we went on and their parents were like, "No, these old guys are noisy." Like, yeah, crying. And the other thing is, and this this goes for I think for Europe in general, at least from from our experience, is that in in the states, I mean, there's more of a a, a a finger on the pulse of what's going on. So more or less, you get matched up with maybe other touring bands, right? But in the, in and Andy Adler from Crystal Still said this too. It's like when you're in Europe, like you're on the bill with like a Radiohead cover band, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. some kind of you know European metal band, like and, and it's it there's no effort put into making it 
cohesive in any way. Right. It's a showcase right. in the most base sense of right. like right. of of, you know, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like we had shows with the agenda who were like good dudes and mm-hmm. it was like from America, but then we played like a week with like the suffragettes who were like this like all, right. all girl yeah. rock band who were trying to make it and their dad was driving them around and then we were just like, hey, what's up? And we said they were very nice. They were very nice. Then we stayed at their house, their complex they owned and like uh but it was constantly bar flies, and everyone just like, "Why are you here? What are you doing?" Right. Oh. <laughs> but it's that's the worst question yeah. you right. asked at your own and, show, and because the question is the same question that you're asking yourself. <laughs> but is that worse than? Is that worse than? Oh, I thought there were going to be more people uh. here. Like from someone who's coming right. to you, yeah. it's like, "Oh man, I'm psyched for the show. Why aren't there more people right. here?" Right. And that, oh, that do you have is, any friends? That is What's a question we do get a lot. If you know British fans are over here. Right. And see us at your providences and like, what's going on? Well, what Why is the, uh, what is the kind of number, do, like, just generally, like, just show wise? Um, like... I mean, we're probably worth like five or six thousand in London. Okay. Well, and... t- t- as in, for example, when we did this tour with you in 2007, uh, it was, I think it was two to three thousand capacity, maybe 1500 to three thousand capacities. Right. There, and they were all sold out. Yeah. And this was between, your second record had been out for a little while. Right, right. So this was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think at the time you guys were booking. Uh, I guess what it would be called underbooking. Now I think you guys came out on the on Free and Thrust Mastery, our second album tour. Yeah, because Titus was on that. Yes, he so was. that was so that was in the midst of our second album. Okay, okay. But even still, like all those th- those were. I think the largest place we played was was three thousand, right. and it was all it was all sold out. Yeah. So I mean, the equivalent would be that we in New York will do. Bowery and right. Williamsburg Hall, so that's a thousand total, kind right? Of? Maybe yeah, a little right. more, right? Uh, so, which are still, you know, good. No, no, yeah, it's, I'm great. not. I'm definitely not complaining. I know, no, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 van in the states versus tour right. bus in yeah. in Europe, yes. in the UK. It's Citizen Dick, and but I mean, in the movie Singles, they're sort of, big in Turkey or wherever the country. Sort of going is. back to the question you had before about how uh, how you rectify it in your mind, I think. The the fact that it that they're different and the UK situation does exist kind of makes inglorious shows kind of bearable. Right. Sure. So like if it were like this everywhere, it would be too much. Well, it makes it. It also makes it more exciting, especially because you guys. When when I say if it were like this everywhere, I mean bad like this. Yeah. Right. I wasn't like if it were if it were great like <laughs> like Europe for us. I couldn't bear that. But I mean, you guys do a lot of like. I, last year you were in what Colombia or Brazil, and you guys right. have played in Malaysia or whatever, Ibiza, and all these. Uh, you notice how I use the Catalan Very Spanish nice. there? Very Ibiza nice. Well done. This is Ibiza. <laughs> Because I had a little analgesic. <laughs> a little analgesic. Um, right now, loud. <laughs> but another thing I want to touch on, and we've Chris Urbanowitz talked a lot about this, is playing festivals. Right. And I think for, for bands that like Jeff and I were in, uh, you know, the few festivals that we played, I mean, this was almost a novel thing because we weren't doing it on the regular. Right. So you're hanging out with all these bands. You got food backstage. Yeah, you're uh, hey, on, Smashing Pumpkins is playing. I don't really care they're about on, them, but they're, they're playing the Suspiria the, theme. The song. Great Unwashed are on one side of the fence. Right. You're on the other. I mean, you guys have been doing the festival circuit for years now. So you have a, a, a significantly different take on it. What was, uh, was Chris... Uniformly well, negative on uh, yeah, festivals. Well, Chris, 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 was <laughs> uniform, Chris was uniformly negative in that he didn't seem to like playing shows in general. Right. Well, I, I do think that is a fundamental difference between yeah. Chris and I. Yeah. Um, is that I do I do really like touring yeah. a lot, um, and he doesn't really seem to. Uh, I mean, festivals. You know, I, I think every festival is is its own thing. I mean, I love them sometimes, and sometimes you're just staring at a wall of people that are waiting for you know the folk duo that's on muse. that right yeah oh. the folk duo muse yeah, on right. saturday night live this week a little plug for them oh yeah that's right yeah one of my <laughs> better turn this one around yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's gonna go quick because we gotta get that muse <laughs> um so yeah but it's you know i think at one point that sometimes they gotta blend together there's gotta be a uh, uh i mean know. they're they're definitely when you in the way that a tour can blend together and you wake up and you're like what town of man right mm. festivals are much worse than that Especially when you're on a bus because you wake up just in a field in a line of buses. And you're just like, I don't, I don't even know what fucking countrymen. Like I was sleeping while the bus was moving. 
I don't know where we are. I don't know who, if anyone I know, is on this bill. I don't know where to find food. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. There's no bathing yeah. going to happen anytime soon. Chris Chris was talked a lot about showering with bus drivers. That might have been the one thing what? he's like from. <laughs> what are you talking about? This, oh, this was in addition to his talk about touring. He just brought it up uh, randomly. Yeah. Right, he did. Um, yeah, so it's 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 it seems like it all kind of it's a completely different animal than you know doing. Do you have any anything memorable from uh, from the bigger shows that may have that once you know once you guys really started commanding an audience that might rank up there with some of the, those worst gigs? Because you're talking about a different set of criteria for right. what makes a bad show because there are always going to be people there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't feel like any of the really big shows have ever been worse gig. I mean, smaller things that happen, um, that are negative tend to right. be slightly more traumatizing when they're, you know, when you're at Brixton Academy rather than at the Providence, <laughs> you know, Booger Hut. Uh, the Providence Booger. Place. Yeah, that's a great place. Like I, I, uh, I, I definitely in my mind revisit a moment in one of our Brixton Academy shows where and I misheard the count off and started a beat late. <laughs> it was just like the entire first verse of the song we were playing was just fucked. And that's really the only thing I remember about the Brixton Academy show right. is, is just blowing that fucking song so badly. Um, whereas at a normal show, I would never think twice about that again. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like you know, especially when you have production. The shows are sold out in advance. There sort of is a streamlined sensibility that, you know, doesn't, doesn't make them all uniform and take away the mm -hmm. fun of them, but takes away a lot of the concern about random right. things. Yeah. That, yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's because your, your responsibility is really to show up and to play and then right. maybe right. to handle press or whatever. Yeah. But you're right. not, once, once you take the, the, the driving out of, a, of the equation or really kind of the, the tour managing and you can just concentrate on, you know, Doing what you do best. <laughs> so looking back at it all, like, uh, you know, it, you might have an answer in relation to, you know, kind of where We Are Scientists is at now. But especially, you know, in, you know, the 2004, 2005, when you're playing like the, like, you know, inconsistent show. Uh, you know, what, what was pushing you uh, to keep going? What was pushing you, you know, kind of through like, ugh, this is another one I got to get drunk for. Yeah, I mean, you know, but... Back in the Brooklyn, like, no hope days, right. I think it was just that we played shows so infrequently. You know, we'd play maximum once or twice a month right. if we were lucky. Um, and so, you know, shows, no matter how good or bad, were still novel right. and, like, mm -hmm. something to be excited about. And, like, you knew exactly when your show was and, like, were ticking off the days to it. So, you know, and I also think that's part of why a, a poor show would was more traumatic yeah. at that point. Was that, it was such a letdown. Who knows when we're going to get to do Lux again right. after, after that fiasco. <laughs> um, you know, and then the, the three-week, you know, toilet tours in mm -hmm. the UK when you're tiny are fun because they're novel. And I mean, for us, they, were, they would get slightly bigger every time. So we would have five people at the Leicester Charlotte and then 15 people next time we're at Leicester Charlotte. Right. Yeah. Which, is, you know, is... Great. It takes some of the spook out of it. Sure. That's, all, that's also kind of the old school. That's like the REM method of touring. Like first time they they played in North Carolina, there were four people there. Then the right. next time they were ten, and right. then there were thirty. You did what a band's supposed to do. Yeah. It's one of those things I've realized. Like in retrospect, like I'm not sure, especially Panthers ever did what we were supposed to do. If we were going to really do it, like I think right when we ended, and I probably brought this up before, but like you know, we did a tour with High and Fire, and then we would have done if we were able to. The whole like, all right, now we do two weeks with Fu Manchu, and then like a right. smaller place, and then like do another yeah. tour, and hopefully like watch it build. But there is a momentum. We always took such yeah. like they were never big enough breaks that it felt like we weren't doing, but then like big enough breaks that we weren't just building yeah. momentum. Ever. Right. Um, we didn't do the grind that you did. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we never we never really did that in the U.S. Right. Um, and you know, because we had jobs, right? A that we wanted to keep that were full time. We, we didn't really tour until we quit our jobs. And at that point, we were spending most of our time in the UK. Yeah. Um, and like Bishop Allen, who are friends of ours, um, would do like three month 
tours at a time in the mm-hmm. U.S. that they book themselves and. You know, I've, I've heard some, some pretty rough stories of this. And every once in a while, we would be like, hey, we're going to take a long weekend. Can we fly out and play those four shows yeah. with you? And so we would, like, fly to California and do, right. you know, four shows. And we'd be like, oh, man, tour's the best. And they were, like, withered and, you know, <laughs> well, no, I skin think, was gray. I think that and, that is a perfect segue into the first Oxford Collapse We Are Scientists show, which right. was a, also kind of a similar thing. This is South by Southwest 2005. Your drummer at the time, Michael Tapper, had approached us at some show at like Monster Island, mm-hmm. asking like maybe we could do some shows together. Or we were, we met and we were playing in Atkins, Arkansas. This was this was like you know I think this might I don't know if this was self booked or a first booking <laughs> agent. Just get us on as many shows as possible on the way to South by Southwest. Right. And uh, we were playing. It was like a Christian like youth center, but it was really like these two kids. Uh, apartment upstairs yeah super like, young couple yeah, it was a young couple <laughs> vaguely christian i think right. we were all gonna stay there Their dog food fight the dog named food <laughs> fight the venue was like it seemed like it was an unfinished like garage almost right um it's and a lot of bubbling sexual out sexuality between the well, two of them well i the all i remember just, they slept in their separate beds yeah, just well, no, staring what, at each yeah. other this all night one eye open and, and this is what happened is that it's the only time we are scientists ever open for oxford collapse i'll tell Boom. you that, <laughs> Suck um, on that one. <laughs> we learned that lesson the hard way. never <laughs> never again um but that you know we we i kind of bonded almost yeah. almost instantly right uh, there were kindred spirits there. This couple had made lasagna for us. We all, and then you and Chris slept on the stage downstairs. Yeah. Michael Tapper slept on the floor, covered just with a sheet from head to toe. <laughs> the couple whose place it was was sleeping in the room too. And then all of Oxford Collapse was there. It right. was just like one of these weird. But then the whole point about like we, I think we maybe had a show the next night somewhere else. Um, and you guys were going straight to Austin and then straight to right. LA after that. Oh, whereas yeah. we would always play as many shows. And then we wound up <laughs> crashing in your hotel room. This was right about the time you guys were meeting with labels. Yeah. Because you had recorded your record. It was yours. You were trying to... We essentially got signed at that South by yeah. Southwest. 2005. And then yeah. it all changed. Uh, never said. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I've ever told you this uh, story. Post South by Southwest, you just reminded me because I forgot we had gone to L.A. afterward. Mm. And we had sort of decided that we were going to sign with the MI at it. They were really aggressive about it. And we were kind of like, well, they, they clearly want it more than some of the other labels who have made us offers do. Like, EMI are really hounding us. About mm. So we're like, uh, you know, I think we want to do it. One of the guys on, our, on, on the team of people that we had at that point, uh, I won't say, um, was, was against it. He really wanted us to go with another label. He was like, don't sign with DMI. So he begged us and begged us and begged us to do one more showcase mm-hmm. when we got to L.A. after South by Southwest. So they very hastily set up a show at the Viper Room. Have you ever Ooh, played the Viper Room? No. Never played the Viper Room. Always wanted to, kind of. Shit. It is fucking awful. And one of, the, one of the features of the Viper Room is that it has an automatic curtain. The, the stage is sort of a crescent shape. Right. In a corner, and it has a you know crescent curtain that opens automatically, and they demand that you abide by their theatrics, which is that you set up behind the curtain, they fucking fill the stage with fog, and then I think they actually make an announcement, like they like say, "Ladies and gentlemen, we are scientists," and then and then the curtain theoretically opens. And I say theoretically because the curtain didn't open. They make the announcement, we're trapped behind a curtain, thick with fog, can't really see anything. Then the curtain kind of like half opens, so we start playing, then the curtain closes again. We have to stop. They like, you know, a guy runs up with a wrench, you know, attacking the mechanism. They're like, let's try this one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, at that point, all morale is just shattered. Suffice it to say, we went ahead and signed with the MI. I think, like, the, literally the next day. So you were essentially the rock of fire explosion of Showtime Pizza, <laughs> yes. or like the Chuck E. Cheese yes. band, but a broken down uh, version. Where, like, half of We Are Scientists' <laughs> like, eyes are opening. 
Uh, that's fantastic and depressing, and but probably uh, uh, helps that, out that's, in the end. That's a that's that's a worse gig. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I think it also be we we should mention that you guys are both incredible. No, when I say you guys, the band, right. uh, you Chris and you're all very funny guys. There's a, there's a lot of comedy involved. It's a gift. Especially, <laughs> AKB, if you yeah. go on your Wikipedia page, there is a section that oh, just no. says comedy. Right, really? It says, yes. It okay. says the bio. And then members, and then it just says comedy, and you click on it, and it might as well just kind of say like these they're guys, really funny these guys. I'm funny, yeah. Like it doesn't have much information. That's amazing. Uh, no, there's not a lot of information. But so there's a lot of you, you guys wind up doing a lot of uh, extracurricular work for MTV over right. in the UK. A lot of there's a lot. I know Chris has been itching to try stand up. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of bands. Uh, Undercut. There's not a whole lot. I right. mean, I don't even know why I'm bringing this. Because I, <laughs> I was going to bring it up. I mean, have you ever? I mean, your your big comedy. Fa- like, have you ever done comedy sketch comedy, etc.? Um, not not in uh, not in any way that was pointed. Like, right. we never actually really put the effort that we should into it. We, there was always humor involved and comedy involved, well, but you didn't like say like this is the comedy thing. We've we've been given a lot of. We've had opportunities kind of placed in our lap. Right. And they've always been very rushed. Um, we did, we had a, a, you know, series for MTV in the UK called Steve Wants His Money. That was seven minute shows. Right. Um, but like they told us at the last minute they wanted us to do it. We were recording our third album at the time. So like while Chris was tracking bass in the studio, I would be out back. You know, writing bits to send in to the production team. Right. We finished recording, flew out there, filmed it in like three days, and that—that's sort of been our practicing template for everything we've done. It's sure. kind of been like, well, here we go, let's do it. We got to do it, and it doesn't matter if it's even any good. You better just get it done. Right. Um, in in terms of worst gig ever, um, we did this this tour, I guess, this theatrical tour. Um, before our second album, which was called Brain Thrust Mastery. Um, and we put together this stage show called Brain Thrust Mastery. And it sort of, it, it came together because we had, the year before at Reading Festival, mm-hmm. had done uh, like an interview tent thing with Enemy Magazine, where just kids literally stand in a tent while you sit on stage and answer questions. Right. Um, and I think because we were funny and like sort of telling, you know, discursive stories and just kind of getting getting into the theater of it rather than just being like, I don't know, recorded it. <laughs> um, our label, I think having, you know, as you said, not a lot of bands really seem to care about that kind of thing. Our label was like, fuck, we need, we need to figure out ways to make them do this all the time. So they asked us if we would do, we were doing a tour. I don't know why I laughed when I said this. Uh, we were doing a tour before our second album uh, opening for Kaiser Chiefs in the UK. Uh-huh. So it was all arenas and... Our album was coming out toward the end of that tour. I think a few, maybe a month after that tour. So our label was trying to think of ways that we could sort of, you know, be in the spotlight and promote the album. Because, you know, opening for Kaiser Chiefs wasn't really going to spread. People were there to see Kaiser Chiefs, not We Are Signed. Um, So they asked if we would do a university tour, like in the towns that Kaiser Chiefs were playing. During the day, we could go during lunch and do like a QA and a at universities. Oh, no, first I asked if we would do an acoustic set at universities during the day. And we're like, no, we're not. <laughs> and they're like, will you do like a Q&A? And we're like, no, we're not doing that. But what we will do, if you let us like teach a class or something at the universities, we'll do that. So like, right. sounds great. Perfect. Uh, we're going to set this up. So they set up, I think, like seven or eight dates. And then we decided we didn't want to teach a class. That was going to be boring. <laughs> we didn't really tell them this. Um, we decided that we wanted to write like a stage show. So we wrote this parody self-help show. Right. Where, where Chris and I were sort of like, uh, Anthony Robbins yes. kind of dudes. Yeah. Uh, and we meticulously scripted it. We had like slideshow, PowerPoint shit. Uh, we had interactive stuff and it was all like comedy. There was no, nothing of value right. at all. It was just comedy. Um, we never really, never really test ran it. <laughs> so the very first show, I think, was in somewhere in Scotland. And a guy from NME flew out to review it. And it was in a tiny little theater at the school. I think, you know, it was really poorly advertised. And I think nobody, the people 
advertising it didn't know what we were doing uh-huh. the kids reading the signage didn't know what we were doing we kind of didn't know what we were doing so we do the first one it's like an hour and 10 minutes long <laughs> and we're like desperately trying to like stick to the script and like remember all the bits and how right. they flow the guy, fortunately, the reviewer for the enemy really likes, I think he just like admires the insanity of what we're trying to do. <laughs> Gives it a great review. <laughs> we're humiliated that he's there, that he's writing anything about it. Over the course of the next seven or eight, we just start improvising. Like a little, you know, the next day we're kind of like, I don't know, uh, that part didn't work. Throw, make a little something up in here. By the last show in London, it had gone from being an hour and ten minutes scripted to thirty-five minutes. Us wasted at noon, <laughs> <laughs> just talking absolute shit. And I really would like to see footage of this. Well, aren't, there, aren't, aren't there promo clips of this on YouTube? Like well, you we guys did, shot a, a series. Of, we uh, did promo clips. Oh, that was for the to, album. Yeah, to advertise the album after that. Okay. Right. Um, but my 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 favorite, the, one of the few things I remember about the last very drunken show uh was that chris had well we were really into a drink called the jack rose at that (laughs) point which is supposed to be like apple jack and like a little bit of grenadine for you know the for the color effect right you guys know you're getting apple jack in the uk so we were making it with i think it was like jameson grenadine and a lime and we were drinking them just getting plowed at and I remember Chris holding up a really red-hued beverage and, like, drinking it, kind of probably swaying a little <laughs> bit on stage and telling a group of, you know, 19-year-old British college kids that he was drinking cranberry juice because it makes his cum taste sweet. <laughs> wow. Never forget it. That, okay, that's beautiful, first of all. Uh, to to kind of, uh, to, to wrap this stuff up in a way... Before we get to some of our final questions, there's one thing that you, you confided to me once. I think this is it's perfect for Worst Gig Ever. I thought this was between just you and I. Well, I, the world needs to hear this. You played all over the world. You played big shows. You played intimate shows. You played in Providence. Uh, a lot of different experiences, music, comedy, all these things. You, and you, you have a natural command of the stage. You told me. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That when you went to a screening of the movie 2012, All right. you held forth in front of this audience, wasted, oh, yeah. shouting yeah. epithets and talking back to the screen and getting a response like you've never gotten never, from any music. Never felt crowd. that kind of performative rush before that I did during 2012. And that's testament just to going to see a movie. For the listener, if you ever get the opportunity to see a movie with Keith Murray. None of you will. Yeah, no, we're bringing this up. But uh, I do feel like you and I are still chasing that dragon, though. I don't think no, I've ever I've, really delivered. I've never had, but the way you talked about going to see 2012 and <laughs> and just standing up, I see you there just standing up, turning to the the crowd and talking. It's all true. So speaking of gigs, yeah, what's your take on the word gig? gig. Um, I have absolutely no take on it at all. I would have never thought twice about it. Had you guys <laughs> not decided that was an important question? Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I never use it. Um, you know, I can't can't condemn somebody for making the mistake of using it casually. Right. Keyword there's yeah. mistake. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Keith Murray, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Pleasure you know, to be had. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger has been in the news a lot lately. Um, so I just want to tell you, get home safe. What's that? What? Your Schwarzenegger? What happened? Wow. Come <laughs> on, man. What the? But we're ending on it. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Worst gig ever. 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 ever.